that's a new one. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Diagnosing a Killer. I'm Kenna. I'm Koel. I think I'm just going to keep that in there. You should. Okay. Mic tests are a very big thing. We always test our mics before we start. Testies, testies, one, two. That's my one, favorite two. one. <laughs> oh, Stevie G used to say, testies, testies, one, two, one, two, three. Oh, time to go see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Something similar to that effect. <laughs> That's funny. Well, welcome back to another episode, everyone. This is our regular Thursday case, mm-hmm. and we're excited to bring it to you. We're getting yeah. geared up for the holidays, oh, and gosh. I mean, not the holidays, but the last two holidays that are coming up. And everything's yeah. just been fucking crazy. It has been. Super crazy, super busy, but mm-hmm. we're both done with school for the moment, which is exciting. I know. I just got my associate's degree. Woo-hoo! Woo! Exciting. Two more years to go. Yep. It's super exciting. And I don't start again until January 8th. Yeah. So that'll be a good little break. It'll give us some time to, to get a lot of good content out there. For sure. I'm excited for everything we have in store coming yes, up. Yes, absolutely. Well, if you guys are new here, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Do you want to give everyone our handles before we get into this episode? Sure. You can check us out on social media platforms, at Diagnosing a Killer, everywhere except X, formerly known as Twitter, which is at Killer Diagnosis. We also have a website, diagnosingakiller.com. There you will find links to merch and resources, all kinds of stuff like that. Check out our Instagram right now. If you give us a five-star rating or review, you will automatically be entered into our contest for our Merchy Merch. You get a free shirt, a koozie, a bracelet, all that stuff. All that good stuff. And extra stuff that comes with it. Yeah. Which aren't on the post. Absolutely. (laughs) Feel free to keep filling out those order forms, guys. We're getting new merch ideas all the time. And if you don't know, we are 100% self-sustainable now with our merch. No longer going through a third party because we wanted to do front and back and we just couldn't find a good source to do that. Yeah. So we decided to just take it into our own hands. That's more personal anyway because we're hand making everything. So go ahead and fill out those order forms that are on our yeah. link tree on Instagram if you want any of our merch. And merch, merch. And I think that's it. Do you I have anything so else? Oh, just the contest goes until the thirty first. So. Oh yes, yeah, or contest. I guess it is whatever you want to call it. What do I you think call it's it? A giveaway. A giveaway, not yeah. a contest. A giveaway. <laughs> Everyone needs to compete. <laughs> just make sure that you message us and let us know that you gave us that rating or review, and yeah. uh, so we can add your name to the list. Definitely. Pretty please, definitely. And thank you to everyone who has already done that. Yes. Okay, we're gonna get into this episode. This is actually a request. I've been doing a lot of requests lately, mm-hmm. so this is. A request from one of our lovely listeners, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. And she requested this actually a while back, so I think she'll be very excited to hear that we've actually done it. So Mm -hmm. today we are going to be talking about one Tyler Hadley. I don't know who Tyler Hadley is. Perfect. I love when you don't know the story (laughs) because it's that much better. (laughs) Content warning. This episode contains depictions of depression and anxiety, eating disorders, parasite, talk of suicide, and talk of child abuse. If this episode is not for you, we encourage you to find another one of our episodes. Remember, your mental health is super important to us, and we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Yes, so Mm. a lot to unpack here. Mm. (laughs) So Tyler Hadley was born on December 16th, 1993, to parents Blake and Mary Jo Hadley. 1993? Yes. Baby. He's young, yeah. There is very little known about Tyler's childhood, because a lot of other things kind of outshadow, or outshine, excuse me, like his childhood, because there's a lot that went on here. Mm-hmm. But it did show that he had one older brother by the name of Ryan. He was either born in the late 80s or early 90s, I couldn't really tell. Um, some sources indicate that he had a younger brother, too, but you only hear about him, like, once, and then you don't hear about him again. So yeah. I don't know if it was just, like, a like, typo that I read, that he had a younger brother instead of an older brother. Yeah. Or maybe out of respect for a minor. Yeah, for that sure. That didn't pertain to the case, Yeah. Yeah. Father Blake worked as a watch engineer, while Mother Mary Jo was an elementary school teacher. In 93, was a watch engineer. I guess yeah. people still were wa- wearing watches. No, <laughs> he was an engine. <laughs> a watch engineer. Oh, not an actual watch engineer. It's like, <laughs> it's so funny. 
<laughs> it's like someone that inspects like things in a power plant that like break. It's like, oh. it's, like it's like a stationary engineer. It's just like another name. He wasn't like a watch technician. He didn't like unscrew the tiny bolts on <laughs> watches. Cool. He's a watchmaker. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> he made watches. That's so funny. In ninety three. Oh jeez, starting off strong. So strong. Tyler was born in Florida in a little town by the name of Port St. Lucie. Mm-hmm. And when Tyler was born, he weighed just three pounds, ten <gasps> ounces. It's a little thing. Yes. This required him to stay in the hospital for an entire month after being born because he needed to be in an incubator. Oh. Like an incubator, like a little egg. Like a little, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Over the years of his childhood, Tyler would be described by family members in multiple different ways. They would call him loving but withdrawn, keeping to himself, and suffering from maybe anxiety, depression, bulimia, and low self-esteem. Oh my gosh. So he had a bunch of things going on. Due to these many things that Tyler had been experiencing, he would often begin a hobby, project, or sports team only to quit shortly after. Hmm. You think it was like a lack of confidence? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Or maybe just lack of interest. Or just motivation in general, Yeah. yeah. At one point, he wanted to try to learn to play drums and the trombone, but soon after starting them, he would ultimately quit, stating that he, quote, was a step below everyone else, end quote. Hmm. That's according to his grandmother. At the young age of 10, Tyler was being treated by medical professionals for many different things. These included things like acne, all the way to depression and even growth hormones. Hmm. Since he was a preemie, his mom actually took growth hormones herself, and so she gave them to him at a young age as well, because she didn't want him to be underdeveloped physically. Was that on her own volition? You saying that a doctor prescribed that, though? Yes, a doctor okay. prescribed that, yeah. So it is known at this point as well that Tyler had a thyroid problem that kept him from growing at a normal rate, so that mm. also makes sense. By the ages of around 11 to 13, Tyler was known to have been quite the troublemaker. He would draw all over public bathrooms with Sharpie, break windows on neighbors' homes and things in their yards, steal Christmas lights, paint on neighbors' cars with shoe paint, and set small fires in the woods that would usually ignite into larger brush fires. Interesting. Is this like a defiance disorder? It kind of seems like a conduct, almost, conduct disorder. Although Tyler was getting help for various things at this time, his mental health was still kind of getting pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. It was more so like physical things. Yeah, they were focusing on the... Acne and the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the the outrageous behavior, what seems like outrageous behavior. For sure. At the young age of 12, Tyler was engaging in alcohol consumption, and by the age of 15, he was taking Xanax, Percocet, Oxycodone, and Ecstasy, and DMT by the age of 16. Oh my god, that's so much. It's so much for that little brain, you know? Yeah, and underdeveloped brain. Especially an underdeveloped brain, like, yeah, yeah, but someone that, you know, has experienced difficulties from being a preemie. Yeah, definitely. Due to his extreme drug use and criminal behavior, Tyler was detained multiple times for arson, vandalism, theft, and aggravated battery. But due to his age, he was usually turned loose shortly after being arrested. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, escalating. Like, yeah. you know, it's probably, like, really petty things in the beginning, and then it gets, be- like, worse and worse. You would think that the pattern itself would be concerning enough to yeah. make him serve a little bit of time. Exactly. Tyler's parents were extremely worried about his mental health, stating that they believed his mind had been overtaken with depression. They seemed to be much more concerned, however, with his drug use, and they would enroll him in an outpatient facility when he was 17. Hmm. This would prove unsuccessful, since Tyler and since Tyler was not yet an adult, he was unable to enroll in an inpatient facility. I see. His parents had made the decision that when Tyler turned 18, they were going to have him in an inpatient facility. Although he's 18, they were kind of telling him, like, no, like, as soon as you can, like, we're getting you in there. Tyler had also admitted at this point that he had been having violent fantasies that included murder for many years prior. He would later speak with a psychiatrist about the idea that killing his parents would solve all of his problems and bring him a sense of relief. He would state about this, quote, I was probably mad about getting in trouble and everything that was going on. The murderous thoughts started a little bit, but increased in frequency, became an obsession that I couldn't get out of my mind. Pretty intense. I thought about it every day, end quote. That's interesting that, I guess, it wouldn't be a reportable thing, would it, if he had been going to a therapist saying that he felt like harming someone else? Um, I don't think he said, like, you, you essentially have to have, like, a plan in place to harm someone or yourself in order for it to break confidentiality. I see. If you okay. say, like, you're just thinking about it, then it's still under confidentiality. Yeah. Tyler would also comment on a, quote, movie in my head, end quote, and told that told him to kill his parents and then kill himself using carbon monoxide in the garage. Well, there's planning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, this is just told me to do this. 
Well, rather than go through with his plan, Tyler decided that he was going to throw a huge house party when his parents were out of town. <gasps> He's like, I'm just going to do a thing. <laughs> I know this story! Oh I was like, did you God. just realize who I'm talking about? I know this story! Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> In June of 2011, a 17-year-old Tyler came home extremely intoxicated, and according to Mary Jo, he stated that he had urinated on one of his friend's beds. Following this, Mary Jo enrolled Tyler in daily counseling, the same outpatient treatment we spoke about earlier. Around this same time, Mary Jo would vent with her coworkers about her struggles with Tyler's behaviors. One coworker would ask Mary Jo if she thought that Tyler would ever hurt her, and Mary Jo responded no, that she was only worried that he might try to hurt himself. Mm. Mary Jo had also suffered from depression, and it was quite clear that her son had inherited the gene from her. So she was probably pretty understanding about it. Yeah, of course. After one of his arrests for drugs, Mary Jo would confiscate Tyler's phone, and following this, Tyler would send a Facebook message to a friend by the name of Isadora Gashko. So we're going to try something a little bit different, because there's a lot of back and forth mm -hmm. in this episode mm -hmm. of, like, Tyler talking to different people. Okay. So I've made up transcripts, and I'm giving you yours, okay. and you're going to be the other person, okay. and I'm going to be Tyler, because it's going to be so much easier than me trying to, like, go back and forth and say their names yeah. before the quotes, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so these are all quotes, and this is the first transcript. Well, I say transcript, but first interaction. Again, this is a Facebook message between Tyler and his friend Isadora. And I'm going to start it. Don't text me about drugs. My mom has... Oh, by the way, I'm Tyler. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I'm Tyler. Okay. Don't text me about drugs. What happened? My mom has it because I got arrested on Monday and she's flipping shit. I just got out today. Oh, shit. Fucking shit sucked, in all caps. You bad, kid. Just kidding. It's a pirate's life for me. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> There's a long pause. She does not respond. Okay, I'm done with all the nautical nonsense, Isadora Gashko. Smiley face. You're so silly. What are you doing? Nothing. Considering suicide. Why? Uh, um, because I want to die, I guess. End quote. Ooh, I know, isn't that, that fucked up? Ugh, so that was how that message went between his friend and him and his friend. I'm trying not to make it sound so... Voice actory. Right, but I mean, <laughs> at the same time, like, she says what happened, not like what happened. Yeah, no, I made sure to put, like, all of the incorrect mm -hmm. verbiage in there. Oh, shit, and then she said, you bad kid, with, like, double D, and yeah. then you're so silly, and then... Why was all, like, three question yeah. marks? It's okay. So. You can read it how you want. I'm okay. sure that the listeners will like the voices. No. <laughs> Tyler goes on to tell Isadora that he drinks to excess because it, quote, fills the emptiness inside me, end quote, and that, quote, all my smiles are fake, end quote, which is really so sad. sad. No. Despite his daily counseling sessions, like I said prior, the treatment did not work for Tyler, although he was able to fool his mother slightly for a while. Meanwhile, Tyler is going around telling everybody that he knows about this party that he's going to throw once his parents go out of town. On July 2nd, 2011, another Facebook message was sent from Tyler to one of his friends, Mercedes Marco, about the fact that Mary Jo had taken his phone away. Hmm. This is the second transcript. Me, Tyler. LOL, yep, she's a cunt for show, I might kill her. <gasps> oh my god, no, jail, or I mean prison, LOL. Oh well heart. That's it. He did not. Yeah. Oh, I'm not reading these early, by the way. Okay, I hope not. I'm not. you ruin it for yourself. No, I'm not, I don't want to ruin it for myself, because yeah. that was... I, that was intense. That was intense. Well, you don't have my part of the transcript on purpose, because I didn't want you to see the whole thing, and mm -hmm. then be like, oh, what the fuck? You know? I know, I like it. Two weeks prior to the party, Mary Jo had told her friends that Tyler, quote, was over the hurdle, end quote, and she, quote, really felt that he was back to himself, end mm. quote. Do you think that, not to speculate too early, but do you think there's some bipolar in here or... Maybe. With like her? up and down? No, with, oh, him. with him. Yeah, potentially. He's, yeah. He seems very up and down. Like, yeah. he's okay for a little bit and then he spirals. And then yeah. he's okay for a little bit and then he spirals. Well, I think, I don't know if it maybe There's Type not two. really any routine here either. That's so. true, yeah. The weekend before the party was supposed to happen, Tyler joined his father and grandfather on a trip to Georgia for a family reunion. Tyler's grandfather stated about this visit, quote... It was a time for us to enjoy family from Indiana, Minnesota, and Florida. I didn't see any indication there were any problems between Tyler and his parents, end quote. Hmm. 
The night before the party, Tyler and his parents stopped at a gas station after an out an evening out at dinner, and Tyler ran into a friend of his by the name of Cameron Adams. Cameron asked Tyler how his parents were doing, to which Tyler responded, quote, Oh, they're all right, end quote. Cameron mentioned that it was his birthday, to which Tyler stated, quote, Happy birthday. Come to my house tomorrow. I'm having a party. We'll celebrate, end quote. So he's still planning on this party. Yes. He's trying He's trying to tell his friends that he's working on convincing his parents that he'll be fine alone. When If, like, telling them to go out of town, he'll be fine by himself. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Although many people in school had heard about the party, not a lot of them believed that it was actually going to happen. Tyler had never had so much as a get-together at his home in the past, and his parents' recent strictness towards him was something that was known, so it was not likely that they are going to let him, leave him home alone. And how old is he at this point? He's 17. Like 17, okay. Yeah. When his friends asked if the party was still on, Tyler replied, quote, I'm working on it, end quote, which told his friends that it was most likely off. Hmm. At 11.25 a.m. on Saturday, July 16th, 2011, Tyler received a Facebook message from his friend Antonio Ramirez. This is transcript number three. Oh, oh let me get it. Okay. Wait, where are we at? Okay. Tyler. Sup, bruh. Chillin', what you doing tonight? It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trying to have a party at my crib. Your parents ain't home. Nope. Well, they're leaving soon. Ooh, ominous. A few hours prior to this Facebook exchange, Tyler had reached out to another friend of his by the name of Matthew Nobile around 9.40 a.m. This is transcript four. Did you do it? No, but I'm gonna. Bet? You really should now. Do it. Don't worry, I am. Then I'm having a party. Yeah, potty time! And then he uses a term. Racial slur. Okay, so where was I? At 1.15 p.m. on the same day, Tyler posted a status on his Facebook. Quote, party at my crib tonight, dot dot dot, maybe. End quote. Due to this message, his friends were pretty convinced that Tyler was unable to convince them, his parents, that he would be okay home alone. Excuse me. At 8.15 p.m. the same day, so July 16th, Tyler posted another status. Quote, party at my house, HMU. End quote. What's HMU? I was seriously going to, like, oh, jokingly explain what HMU meant, and then I was cracking up, because you just... <laughs> I was just like, for those oldies that don't... That's me. HMU <laughs> I was like, HMU? Oh, yeah. It means hit, hit, hit me, me up. up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Although he posted this extra status, his friends still did not believe he was throwing a party. One of Tyler's friends by the name of Ashley Hayes messaged him, quote, whoa, what, what if your parents came home? End quote. To which Tyler replied, quote, they won't trust me end quote that's so yucky yeah i don't like the way that feels i know although the party was announced for hours that day it did not truly begin until around 11 30 p.m when a classmate of tyler's named mike young arrived with 10 or so of his friends mike did not know tyler personally but the tall skinny and nearly six foot tyler was easily recognizable by his classmates Tyler didn't mind that people were showing up at his house that he didn't know as he just wanted to throw a giant party yeah he didn't care Tyler was known around school as quiet, almost nonverbal sometimes, but occasionally prone to sudden outbursts in class. Hmm. His close friends were all drug users, pot smokers, and usually kept to themselves. Mike would typically not seek out a friendship with these types of people, but in high school, a party's a party, no matter who's throwing it, right? So true. I went to a high school party with Cameron once, and I was like 19, and I was like, this is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And then the cops came, and I was like... Well, I'm not drinking or smoking. Like, there's no reason for me to be scared of the cops. But everybody was jumping over the fences and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, and that I was, was like, the move. Oh, no. Well, now that I'm almost 30, I'm like, can someone please have a house party? Like, <laughs> I don't want to go to the bar. <laughs> and by house party, I mean six of your closest no, friends. No, actually. It will all play, like, <laughs> Tapple or, like, Heads Up or something. <laughs> Categories. So, yeah, Mike typically wouldn't hang out with these kind of people, but he's like, a party's a party, right? Mm -hmm. On top of this, the little town of Port Port St. Lucie was usually a quiet, boring town, according to its residents, Mm -hmm. so a party was extremely exciting to a lot of young kids around town. That makes sense. Tyler would answer the door of the home in a large t-shirt, black pants, and Nikes, and he seemed as though he was very anxious. Although he had previously taken three ecstasy pills, the anxiety was extremely apparent, as was the fact that he was rolling. Tyler stated almost immediately upon the friend's arrival, quote, I don't want no one smoking inside. It's my parents' house, end quote. Okay. Before he knew it, Tyler had nearly 60 people in his parents' home, most of them not even knowing who Tyler was. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. 
The party guests would quickly take advantage of the fact that they did not know the host and rummage through the kitchen, throw empties in the backyard, and were spilling and breaking drinks in the living room, laughing about it each time. I would hate that. Which is so, like, so disrespectful. Yeah. Tyler did not seem too concerned with the house getting trashed, however, but instead he was worried about how loud the party was. So he didn't really care. He's like, do whatever you want, but, like, be quiet. But don't get the cops called. The last thing he wanted was the attention of the neighbors or police, clearly because the majority of the people there were underage, right? Yeah, makes sense. Tyler would tell people that were going outside to smoke, quote, actually, just stay in the house. You can smoke inside. I don't care. So after a while, he was like, it's not worth y'all being loud outside? Yeah, exactly. Mike was talking with some girls on the couch at one point when a very drunk skater kid who seemed to be one of Tyler's friends stumbled over. Transcript 5. Oh, I'm the skater kid. uh, S. Skater. I smell dead people. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, I don't know. Some people are smoking, that's all. All Alright, dude, whatever. The skater dude wandered off after this, laughing. (laughs) Following this conversation, a large crowd had gathered around the beer pong table, close to where the family computer was. On the computer, kids were taking turns playing music on YouTube. The computer area was noticeably extremely filthy, and notably more dirty than the rest of the home. But the kids didn't really seem to notice, or they just maybe didn't look close enough. Okay, I'm going to ask you why, but I'm sure you'll tell me. Yeah, for sure. Eventually. A party-goer by the name of Jose Arazo, a soft-spoken 17-year-old, was playing beer pong when he overheard someone say, quote, oh, he killed his parents, end quote. Everyone laughed, and Jose was able to brush it off, actually winning 15 consecutive games of beer pong after that. Dang, He Jose. didn't want to fucking move. No. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm staying here. I'm staying here. <laughs> Although it was brushed off, people did keep asking Tyler where his parents were. He told a kid by the name of Ryan they went to Orlando while telling another, quote, they don't live here, this is my house, end quote. Another partygoer by the name of Mark Andrews had met Ty- uh, Tyler 11 years prior when his family had moved to Port St. Lucie. Tyler and Mark's brothers were friends, and the families had lived down the street from each other, so they had known each other for a while. And this guy, Mark, was actually 21. Okay. When Tyler was 10 years old, he showed up at Mark's home after a fight with his mother. He told Mark that he was going to kill his parents one day, and Mark said that all parents made their kids mad. The boys laughed it off, and it didn't really get brought back up. At the party, Tyler told Mark that his parents went to Georgia. Another of Tyler's friends by the name of Marky Phillips actually missed the party due to him being out of town that weekend, but he had hung out with Tyler two days prior to the party. Hmm. He stated later that Tyler had, quote, seemed pretty fine, end quote, the night they hung out, but two weeks prior to that, they had also hung out. Marky said that the two had been hanging out normally when Tyler blurted out in the middle of a conversation that he, quote, wanted to kill his parents and have a big party after, end quote. Marky responded with, quote, that's crazy, end quote, when he thought that Tyler was trying to make a joke. And unfortunately, nobody would ever take Tyler seriously when he talked of killing his parents. <sighs> this is a lot. It is. Oh, my gosh. And especially since it's, like, not even being hidden. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I mean, I know we talk about Andre Thomas all the time, but Andre Thomas was literally like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to do this. It's happening. I'm going to do yeah. this. And nobody listened. Mm-hmm. By midnight at the Hadley residence, there were over 100 partygoers in attendance. Two dogs had also been at the party as well. Tyler's invited? Well, Tyler had a black lab named Sophie, and then there was an old, partially blind beagle. I couldn't find the name of the dog, the beagle. I'm going to call her Blanche. Right. (laughs) At one point, Sophie, so Tyler's dog, was unable to be found, but the beagle was found hiding under the bed of Tyler's older brother's old bedroom. Okay. The room was notably much more disastrous than the rest of the home. I guess the owner went to find him and was like, this room is, like, a wreck. Yeah. But it seemed like no one from the party had been in there. Yeah. So they were like, what the It was heck? just, like, strewn about or whatever after Yeah, clothes were strewn all over the room. The bed frame was cracked, and the, the whole place looked kind of, like, ransacked. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Very strange. The beagle, would, the beagle would later be found cowering in the shower of a bathroom in a different area of the home. Hmm. So, I don't know if you get what I'm saying, but dogs can sense things. Sense weird <laughs> things, yeah. Around 12.30, the party was running low on alcohol, so Tyler had asked Mark Andrews' girlfriend, Ashley Jersman, to drive him to the gas station a few blocks away. Mark is the old friend. Right. Mark tagged along as well, and when they arrived at the gas station, Tyler gave Mark a wad of 20s and asked him to get him four cases of beer. I think that the 20s might have come from the bedroom. That's why I think that was mentioned. Like, his brother's bedroom. It was ransacked. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. While Mm. Mark was in the store, Tyler mentioned to Ashley that his father had died. 
Ashley did not know Tyler very well, but she assumed that Tyler just meant his father had died several years ago. Yeah. When they arrived back at the home, Tyler ran into a friend by the name of Anthony Snook when he showed up around 1245. Someone had texted Anthony that the party was, quote, the biggest thing ever, end quote. Hmm. Anthony approached Tyler, stating to him, quote, thanks for throwing this party, man. How have you been? End quote. Tyler responded in a flat voice, quote, all right, end quote. Anthony knew Tyler as a kid who was usually quiet, but able to laugh at his own jokes and be kind of silly at other times. Mm -hmm. So it struck Anthony as kind of odd that Tyler was extremely calm, despite, like, the chaos of the party. He thought he would be, like, really enjoying himself. That's really interesting, because I bet he probably thought he would be enjoying himself. But there's, like, so much in his head. Yeah, for sure. it's just, he might as well be on an island. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. Just at this moment, Tyler spotted another kid who had taken his shirt off and ran out of the house screaming. Oh, no. This kid returned shortly after with a mailbox on his head, screaming, Woo! Oh, my God. That sounds like, uh, what is that? Project Project X. X. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We said the same thing. (laughs) Tyler asked the kid, quote, where the fuck did you get that? End quote. To which the kid replied, quote, I took it off the neighbor's lawn. End quote. (laughs) Probably just like that. Yeah. At this point, the previously calm Tyler started yelling, screaming that stealing a mailbox was a felony and that the police were sure to be called. It's fair. Meanwhile, Anthony Snook had tried to enter the master bedroom, but realized that it was locked. He figured people were smoking in there, so he tried to push the door open, despite the lock, with no luck. It was dark in the house, but Anthony noticed about a foot-long smear beneath the door that he described as, like, an oil-based paint stain that looked like someone had tried to, like, wipe it away. Hmm. Yeah. One kid who arrived around 1.15 a.m. by the alias of Justin Wright stated that the first thing he noticed when he entered the home was the stench. He said it smelled like sweaty clothes that had been around for too long. Ew. He also commented that the place was a wreck. The previously white floor tiles were filthy, among with many other disgusting parts of the home. This is also 1.15 and there's 100 people in this house. Yeah. They probably all smell like sweaty teenagers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Seeing the condition of the home, Justin asked Tyler if there were any rules of the party. Tyler responded, quote, just do whatever you want, end quote. He's like, like we're going to burn care. this mother down. Yeah, well, Project X <laughs> actually burned the house down. As Mark Andrews, the guy who he and his girlfriend took Tyler to the gas station, and one of his oldest friends were leaving the party, Tyler asked if they could speak privately. Tyler went outside and told the kids standing there to get back inside so that his neighbors wouldn't call the cops. Once everyone was inside, Tyler turned to Mark. Transcript six. Oh, oh, let me get there. Uh, okay. Tyler. Dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. What are you talking about? Dude, I know you're not going to believe me. No one will believe me. I freaking killed somebody. Dude, you killing someone is your own business. Don't be telling me that sort of thing. I don't need to know. Smart kid. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'd be like, I didn't see shit. Like a smart man because he's 21. Following this conversation, Tyler returned inside and ran into 18-year-old Ricardo Acevedo. The two had met that night. Transcript 7. Thanks for having us over, and thanks for the beer. I just wanted to do something fun before I left. Why? Where are you going? I'm gonna kill myself. Why would you do that? Because I did something really bad. What'd you do? It can't be that bad. Don't worry. If I get caught, I'll be in jail a long time. (laughs) I know. It's very eerie. But again, way easier than me trying to say, this person said this, and then this person said this, and then oh, this person said this. so you know? much easier. In his bedroom, Tyler came across 20-year-old Kimberly Theban. This girl was known around town as K-Nasty, and I had to put that in there because that's a hilarious K-Nasty. And I might start going by that. <laughs> Just K-Nasty. K-Nasty, K-Nasty on the weekends. <laughs> so K-Nast and Tyler were close friends as she lived on the street. He told her upon seeing her, quote, I'm going away for 60 years, end quote. I'm like, hmm, 60. Did you do the math on that? Because, I know. Is it 30 to life, typically? Yeah. And that's two sentences? Yeah. Consecutively? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's chocolate, and then there's lint chocolate. Chocolate that has a silky, smooth, and velvety texture has been synonymous with the name Lint since its conception in 1845. Click the link in the show notes to receive free shipping with a $60 purchase. Be part of the Lint legacy and grab a bag of their world-famous truffles today. (laughs) 
She asked why, and he told her that she would find out tomorrow. I know, it's so eerie. This is so much. But, like, also, I'm kind of, like, he's creating this horror movie scenario. Well, yeah. Well, he obviously didn't expect to get away with it. He told, like, 50 fucking people. You know what I mean? Like, He's probably also high and drunk at this point. Well, yeah. He's just like, I gotta tell somebody. And he's also like, no one's gonna believe me anyway. That's true. Around this same time, Tyler asked his best friend Michael Mandel to walk outside with him so they could speak privately. Michael and Tyler had been best friends since they were eight, and Michael immediately noticed something was wrong. They walked to the stop sign at the end of the block, and once they were there, Tyler turned to Michael. Transcript 8. Tyler, I killed my parents. Yeah, right. Michael, I'm being real. I'm not lying to you. If you look closely enough, you can see signs. Which is also very eerie. Again, why isn't... I mean, this is the first time he's actually said it. Said the words. But, yeah. It's like, oh, look at the signs. Again, it's it's like suspenseful kind Planned. of yeah it's almost like he enjoys it mm-hmm. so after saying this tyler told michael to look in the driveway michael noticed that there were two cars one belonging to tyler's father and one to his mother he thought if tyler's parents are gone why are their cars here uber well uber didn't exist in the well i guess 2011 it kind of did but well maybe it, well did either it? way taxi like I whatever <laughs> i understand what you're thinking but Maybe they just weren't the kind of people to take a taxi. Sure, you know? yeah. No, it would be suspicious yeah. regardless. I'd be like, wait a minute. <laughs> Michael did not want to believe what he was thinking, and he tried to tell Tyler to stop lying. Tyler then told Michael to look in the garage, but make sure that no one else was looking when he went in there. Michael walked into the garage, immediately seeing a bloody footprint, and then would quickly turn around and leave the garage. Tyler then led Michael to the master bedroom, where he saw the traces of blood on the door. Tyler unlocked the door and opened it, revealing blood-soaked towels stacked in a pile. At the bottom of the pile, a human leg. (laughs) Tyler then walked Michael through the details of what happened. The afternoon before the party, shortly before 5 p.m., Tyler found both of his parents' cell phones and hid them so they wouldn't be able to call for help. He listened to a rap song in order to, quote, hype himself up. End quote. And then took three ecstasy pills, worried that he could not kill his parents, quote, sober, end quote. But, like, you don't have to, so... Yeah. Tyler then found a claw hammer in the garage and returned inside the home. He stood behind his mother while she worked on the family computer for a full five minutes. Tyler would stand behind his mother for five whole minutes while he contemplated what to do next. He would then raise the claw hammer and bring it down on Mary Jo's head. Tyler told Michael that his mother screamed, why, multiple times. Hearing his wife's screams, Blake Hadley ran out of the master bedroom and into the computer area. Blake and Tyler locked eyes for several seconds, Blake asking the same, why. Tyler responded to his father, quote, why the fuck not, end quote. Oh my god. Oh, it's horrible. Heaps. Tyler allegedly repeated the same question over and over while bludgeoning his father to death. While explaining this, Tyler mimicked swinging the claw hammer in front of Michael. Could you imagine? No, I literally couldn't. Being that guy, being Michael? Being like, you have to be joking. Like, there's no, but like, but who makes something up like that? Right. It's too specific. After his parents were deceased, Tyler explained that he wrapped towels around their heads and dragged them into the master bedroom. He laid the bodies side by side, face down, and put the hammer on the ground between them. It took Tyler three hours to clean up the home, much longer than he anticipated. Again, just a reminder, this is the day of the party. This is hours before the party started. That's like... Like, if it took him three hours, he had to be cleaning well until, like, 8 o'clock, and people were there at 11.30. Yeah. After his parents were in the bedroom, Tyler took everything that he thought might incriminate him and put it in the master bedroom as well. So the area around the computer was kind of clean, but the computer itself wasn't? Like, the keyboard was, like, sticky? sticky. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. Okay. I understand what you mean now. I thought, like, maybe it was one of those, like, World of Warcraft computers where there's just, like, bags of chips. Well, there was that, too, I'm pretty sure they said. But, yeah, it was, like, grimy. That's gross. Tyler then took a shower and told Michael that he stared at his reflection in the bathroom mirror and laughed at himself. Like he's the Joker? Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Max Mazur, another friend of Tyler's, was standing in the hall outside the master bedroom when he saw Michael rush out of the room and slam the door behind him. He stated that Michael looked deranged and he was, quote, looking over both shoulders, end quote. Like, he's, like, running away. What the fuck? Michael actually didn't leave the party, though. And instead, he stayed for another 45 minutes and ended up taking multiple selfies with Tyler. He's like, yo, this this guy's going to jail. No, I mean, honestly, though, that's probably what he was thinking. In one photo, both boys are in the garage, with Michael's expression being stern and defiant, while Tyler's was, like, described as, like, a mixture of pain, despair, fear, and horror. The video, the picture's a little haunting. We'll post it in the, in the post. Oh, my gosh. Around 2 a.m., one of the partygoers announced that there was another house party being thrown by a neighbor of Mike Young's. Hearing this, kids began running outside and tossing their drinks all over the yard. One attendee, Joshua Corte, had just gotten into his car when someone slammed on the driver's side window. It was Tyler. He yelled to Josh, quote, where's everybody going, end quote. Josh rolled down his window and explained that they were all going to another party. Tyler, seemingly relieved, said, oh, I think that maybe he thought that Michael had said, like, hey, fucking go, those parents, There's dead leave. people you in know, here, yeah. get out, yeah. Later, when Josh was asked to describe Tyler's expression, he stated, quote, he was just like blank face, like he had a blank face on, end quote, which is really interesting. Fourteen cars peeled out of Tyler's neighborhood and arrived at the other house. A girl came out of the home in her PJs, and it was quickly apparent that there was no other party, and it was just a rumor. Oh, that's funny. Imagine. Be like, what are y'all doing at my house? Yeah. It's like two in the I'm morning. sleeping. <laughs> Get out of here. However, the commotion of the cars leaving was too much for Tyler's neighbors not to notice. One neighbor, Rayanne Wallace, lived next door and had known Tyler since he was born. She liked the Hadleys and had stated about Tyler, quote, He seemed like a happy kid, very respectful, polite, end quote. Cameron Adams, the boy who ran into the Hadleys at the gas station the previous night, stated about Tyler after entering high school, quote, He had a bizarre personality, really hyper. He'd always try to pull a crowd. In the middle of a lesson, he would start laughing. He would just blurt out stuff, end quote. Kind of seems like that could have been put in the beginning of the party story, but I wanted to put it here just to, like, remind everyone. Yeah. At 2 a.m., with the cars leaving the street, Rayanne got fed up. She did not understand why Tyler was having such a noisy party or why his parents were allowing it to happen. When a group of boys from the party made their way onto her lawn and began looking into her windows, she called <gasps> the police. Oh, hell yeah. No, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Two officers from the Port, Port St. Lucie PD arrived within minutes. By that point, there were fewer than 20 people left in the home. And when officers rang the doorbell, Tyler t- hid everyone in his room and told them to be quiet. Tyler answered the door and talked to the police for a few m- moments. The cops had explained that there had been noise complaints, but with the house seemingly quiet, they left Tyler with a warning. Yeah, they're like, oh, no, clearly no teenagers in here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to do that paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> By 2.30, the party was back on. Tyler's friends began to return to the party after realizing the other one was a bust, and at this point, it was becoming clear that Tyler was not okay. Michael Mandel, whom Tyler had confided in about the killings, had grabbed 10 Percocet pills that Tyler was going to use to commit suicide hid them in a hall closet, and left the home. Good for you, Michael. Good for you. Three girls returned to the party, and once they entered, Tyler was noted as slamming the door and looking out the windows, seemingly paranoid. Shortly after this, Tyler began talking to a friend by the name of David Garcia about the party. Transcript 9. This is the last one. Okay. Tyler. The party was fun. I might have another one tomorrow night. Then I might be going away for a while. Are you moving or vacation? Just going away. Are you coming back? I don't know, because I'm thinking about killing myself. Oh my god. And then, apparently, he just, like, walks away, and this kid's like, cool. Cool. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know what happened after that, <laughs> but there's no other <laughs> verbiage. Ah, shit. Tyler then turned the lights off in the front rooms to avoid any more attention from police or neighbors. At 4.40 a.m., Tyler posted once again to his Facebook wall, quote, party at my house again, HMU, end quote. What's HMU? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's at f- almost 5 a.m., though. He's, He's like, like, fuck it, I didn't get caught, going. I'm gonna have another one tomorrow. Keep going, or, keep yeah. raging. The Ted, party might Ted have... Ted Mosby does yeah. that. He does the three-day party. Who's just that? to get Robin to come. How I Met Your Mother. Oh. Sorry. I was, I was like, watching what? a lot of it. <laughs> so the party may have continued for a while if the police had not shown up at Tyler's door at the very moment that he posted that status. 
Michael had phoned Crime Stoppers and told them the whole story. <gasps> Good, Good for you, Michael. Michael. Other than the selfies. But well, yeah. at the same time, he was, fucking petrified. he was probably like, okay, I can't run out right now because what if he does something to me? What if or it's, maybe he's like, let's take a photo together so I can show police what he looks what like. What the crime scene is or whatever. Because he took a picture in the garage yeah, with him. Yeah, Oh, gosh. Officers Adrian Zamoyski and Charles Green were dispatched to the home at 4.32 a.m. They noticed three cars across the street and ran the plates. The first car was registered to one Tyler Hadley and the other two to his parents. As the officers walked up the driveway, they heard some talking in the home. Officer Green saw through the front window the shadow of a person pacing. The officer knelt by the window and saw a very distraught Tyler walking back and forth in the living room, talking to himself with a, quote, very disturbing look on his face, end quote. The police report would read, quote, his eyes were very wide and he was not blinking, end quote. Tyler then grabbed a stack of books from the bookshelf near the front of the home, murmured something to himself, and dumped the books on the floor, quote, in a frantic manner, end quote. He would do this once or twice more, returning for a second and third stack of books. Finally, Officer Green walked to the front door and rang the doorbell. There was no answer, but Green could see Tyler through the window, walking away from the door. The rest of the house lights were turned off, and then the door opened. Tyler was wearing a black shirt and black shorts, a different outfit than the partygoer saw him in, and when he opened the door, he had his left hand behind his back. <gasps> officer Green immediately pulled his gun, thinking Tyler may have had a weapon. The officer ordered Tyler to put his hands up and step out of the house, to which he complied. Officers would search him for weapons, finding none, and ordered him to the ground and proceeded to handcuff him. Do you think he was trying to die by cop? I think he was trying to make it look like he had a weapon, so yeah, yeah maybe they would shoot him or something. Mm. Police asked whether or not Tyler's parents were home, to which he responded, no. He seemed frantic, incoherent, and annoyed, according to the officers. Mm. Tyler stated to the men, quote, I know I'm going to Rock Road, referring to the St. Lucie County Jail Road, so just take me, end quote. Leaving Tyler in the driveway, police would enter the home. Tyler shouted at them, quote, you can't go in there, don't go in there, end quote. Like, we have to. Like, sorry, but we're gonna. We can smell. There's the bodies. And musky teenagers. Yeah. That's so awful. It's not so... Imagine, imagine like, I being those officers. Imagine. I know they see things, like, every day, but, like, coming to a house party and then being like, I know that smell. Yeah. Like, that, honestly. Well, I watched a video yesterday of a, a... It was a nurse that had, I believe, was murdered by her husband. I think she had been stabbed. Um, or murdered by somebody. She had been stabbed and left in her bedroom. Anyways, there was a welfare check for her because she didn't show up to work and it was very unlike her. And so, you know, the, I don't know if it was security of the property or something. And she lived in kind of like a townhome. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been security for the property. They're like, we legally can't go in there. That's why we called you. But there's no answer. And then they had seen um, a reddish brownish stain on Ugh. the blinds and or something somewhere in the house and so of course they knocked on the next door neighbor's door and she's like i haven't heard her since for like two days and usually she has her dog outside but i haven't seen that dog either and so yeah the officer the door front door was unlocked and he opens it and he goes well that didn't smell good yeah and he knew and he told know. the guys he told the security guys he's like you guys are freaking me out like he already just the way that it was set up was so ominous and yeah. sure enough she was deceased in that that's awful Ugh, they did catch that guy Catch that guy. So with the officers entering the home, obviously the home was extremely destroyed with trash everywhere. Mm -hmm. The furniture in Tyler's older brother's old bedroom was turned over and Sophie, their black lab, was actually found locked in the closet. She was safe. Oh. The cops went through the kitchen and approached the master bedroom, immediately noticing the streaks of dried blood on the frame and doorknob. I can't even imagine processing that scene. Like as walking through being like, like CSI? Yeah. But like you have to process everything. You, everything. Don't, you don't know what's related to the crime and what's not exactly because you've had so many people and there's the house. so much dna <gasps> oh that might have been the the goal as well that too. sounds like a nightmare yeah that's true he could have been like any one of these people could have killed my parents yeah the door was forced open and the cops came across the horrible scene and we already know what happened so i'm not gonna go back into that mm -hmm. the funeral service for mary joe and blake hadley was attended by nearly 1,000 people wow mary joe was a committed catholic and she was actually supposed to read a sermon at the church the day after she was murdered mm. this included the verse from first first corinthians quote love is patient love is kind it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres end quote Aww. which i wanted to include because it's like 
She tried to love him so much. She did. You know? In the best way that she knew how, yeah. given his disorders and his depression. Or yes. And she knew that. She was she was compassionate towards that because she experienced it herself. For sure. Ugh. At the reception following the service, Ryan Wallace, the neighbor who called the cops, approached Ryan, Tyler's older brother. Ryan had planned to return to Port St. Lucie after graduating from college to work with his father at the power plant. Mm. He also mentioned that following the reception, he was going to visit his brother in prison or jail. This would be the first time the brothers had seen each other since the murders. Ryan was noted as stating about this visit, quote, It's what my parents would want me to do. They wouldn't want me to abandon him. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'll probably just sit there and cry, end quote. Oh, that reminds me of Grant and Jason Amato. When Jason goes in there and he hugs Grant and he's just like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, it's awful. You know, and he knew it. He knew it was Grant, but it's just, like, it's hard. I think it's just sibling things in general are really hard, right? But yeah, watching Jason just break down, lose his entire family, and his brother go to prison. Yeah, I mean, you're losing that person as well. Yeah. Many of Tyler's friends tried to figure out the motives of his actions, and one girl who attended the party but didn't know Tyler very well actually blamed his parents. She stated, quote, He was under a lot of pressure, and, like, his parents would never let him be himself. And honestly, I think that they caused everything that just happened. His parents always expected him to be someone else that he wasn't, and that's just not right. Anything Tyler would do, he'd be wrong for it. He just broke. Honestly, he got crazy because of it. If you have that much hate for somebody, then you actually would do something like that. End quote. And... That's like, okay, this isn't a Gypsy Rose situation. Yeah. And you obviously don't know the whole story. Right. And we don't know the whole story. And she, you're not a psychiatrist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I don't, I just had to put that in there because I was like, I mean, sure, not only she was thinking that, you know, I'm sure a lot of other people probably thought that, which is awful. That's so true, too, because, and, and again, just to pull from another, you know, episode that we covered, the Menendez case. Yeah. Like, the fact that, like, the whole trial, because I've listened to most of the trial at this point, and I'm obsessed with it. CourtTV.com. CourtTV.com has everything. They have every, I mean, they have the entire OJ trial. I mean, any trial you can think of that was, like, huge. Anyways, the whole thing was that prosecution, like, the defense was saying the parents were murdered because they were abusing their sons. And the prosecution said, what a terrible way to talk about someone. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't about you know, them being necessarily cold-blooded, but they're like, and now they're trying to blame the victims. Like, yeah. that was the whole prosecution's case. And so it's kind of like, it seems like that. It's well, like, what in would certain, be the case. Yeah. yeah, in certain cases, like the Menendez case or the Gypsy Rose case, yeah, it's hard. It's a, I feel like it's super gray area. There's, It's not black and white. But in this case, and again, we don't know the whole story, mm-hmm. I don't think the parents really did anything wrong. I think yeah. that they had the best intentions right. in trying to help their son. It's true. And, maybe, and Tyler and, just was too damaged. Yeah. What we we can safely say is that they tried to the best of their ability what they thought was the right actions yes. to take for him, for his mental health, for yeah. his safety, for their safety. And not only that, but there was no sign of physical or physical abuse, at least. We don't know what the psychological, mental, or emotional abuse was like, if there was any. Exactly. But we can absolutely say that they've never been investigated by the CDF, you know, or whatever it is. No, for sure. And we don't know what went on in that house. So we don't, again, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's what actually my next point was, is that Tyler had actually told some of his friends, including Michael, Mm -hmm. that his father had hit him in the past and punched him in the face. But that was never determined to be true or false. So. I don't know. And again, even if that's the case, that doesn't mean that you need to kill somebody, you know? Right. Um, although I, I can't imagine if that was the case being in that situation. Like, I don't know what I would do yeah. if I was Tyler. But and again, all that, of the comorbid things that he was dealing with right. were the reason for this. Not yeah. maybe even, even if the parents did have something to do with the abuse, mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't have caused that to happen. Yeah. And how, how long was it after Gypsy was caught? Like 24 hours, right? Uh, a couple days. A couple days, okay. Because I was going to say, Menendez brothers called the cops immediately. Although yeah. they lied about what had happened. They With this guy, Tyler, with him, not just killing his parents because of some type of pressure or whatever it is, yeah. but to throw a party. Throwing a party is like a slap in the face. hours yeah. is like dancing on a grave. Exactly, exactly. Michael didn't believe that the the accusations about Blake being a physical abuser were true. Mm -hmm. But he said that even if it was true, that he didn't believe that it could, quote, lead to him murdering them. So he's just Mm -hmm. saying, like, even if that was the case, I don't think that Tyler would have killed them because of that. So just like what we were saying. And it's true. We're not defense attorneys or prosecuting attorneys here. But yeah, but he was also a six foot something kid and he's 17 and 
you know, younger, spryer, had yeah. the ability to probably, you know, do some damage, but not necessarily kill someone mm-hmm. unless he intended to, right? Yeah, definitely. And again, like we always say, we're not professionals. This is just our opinion. And we're just comparing these cases just to mm-hmm. see the differences in them. We're not yeah. saying that anyone was right or wrong For or sure. like that. And I also don't mean to make that seem like, oh, well, if he was being abused, he could have defended himself. Because psychological holds that people can have on oh, one another, sure. even parent, parent-child, parent yeah. it can be huge. Just yeah. what we know about this case, it doesn't seem likely that he was being abused in any way. Right. That's all I'm saying. Tyler also told his friend Marky that Blake, quote, wasn't his real dad, end quote. And Marky was amazed to find out during a police interview that Tyler had lied about that. Oh, so he just, like, assumed that Tyler, it was t- Tyler was like, oh, he's not my biological dad anyways. And he's like, oh, okay. I guess. Well, he th- I think he had told him that, like, before. Like, yeah. Like, that any yeah. of this happened. The most common r- rational reason for Tyler doing what he did, according to his friends, was the drug use. However, even with a large amount of recreational drugs that Tyler was consuming, none of them have been linked to violent tendencies. When police searched the home, they uncovered prescription bottles in Tyler's name for hydroxyzine, and, which is a mild anti-anxiety medication, mm-hmm. as well as citalopram, which is an antidepressant. So nothing that would consider to be like a, like a, a, psych- not a psychedelic, what am I trying to say? Like a psychosis-inducing drug. Like, yeah, exactly. Like a PCP or well, a... Well, he did, he was doing DMT, but DMT has not ever been linked to violent tendencies. That's what they're, what they're saying. I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> like a, I've never done I'm that. I'm no expert. <laughs> um, Tyler would later write to his grandparents about the medications that he was prescribed, stating, quote, I wish I never started taking that damn pill. None of this ever would have happened. End the quote. antidepressant. Well, we don't know. It's unknown which medication Tyler was referring to, but oh. it seems likely that it would be the antidepressant because it can be known to cause suicidal behavior and, like, irritability in mm-hmm. adolescence. Mm-hmm. In another letter sent to a friend, Tyler stated, quote, I regret everything I did. I swear it's those drugs, man. End quote. I wonder if he was found... Okay, first of all, routine, right? We always see, say that that helps him being in this, even if it is in a jail or incarcerated setting. That might be helping, because you said this is a letter from jail. This is from jail while he was awaiting trial. I see. Okay. But he still likely has a routine. Do you think that there's any type of regulation of medication? He's probably clear-headed because of... He's probably clear-headed because he's not using any drugs. Yeah. And if he was prescribed those medications, then he is likely to be regulated on them. Yeah, that's true. Although, I I, might have misspoke. I think this might have been after his sentencing, that he said this. Mm. Because Tyler would actually contradict these statements when he told his friend Michael that he purposely waited for his brother to move out before he killed his parents. And he told him this six weeks prior to sending these letters about the drugs being the reason. Okay. So he was like, uh, it was essentially like he planned it. And then now he's trying to say like, oh, if it wasn't for the drugs and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. While Tyler was in jail awaiting sentencing, he was also known as spending his time signing autographs for fellow inmates. What? He would take a news article about the murder and write, quote, it's hammer time across the article <gasps> and sign it with the nickname he had been given by inmates, Hammer Boy. That's, it's hammer time. That's Delulu. That's for disgusting. Sure. Tyler was noted as writing to friends and family while he was awaiting sentencing in jail. In a letter sent to his grandparents, he seems overwhelmed with guilt. Quote, I was just living my life as a normal 17-year-old kid, and next thing I know, I'm in the middle of St. Lucie County Jail. I ruined a lot of people's lives, and I can't seem to forgive myself. I find myself crying a lot because of all the guilt. Every day I beg for forgiveness, and I ask God not to send me to hell. I don't want to go there. Father Michael told me that if I just confess my sins and repent, then God will forgive me for everything. I just can't get rid of all of this guilt. It's swallowing me whole. I'm extremely nervous that I'm going to get a life sentence. It's making me pretty depressed. I want to say I'm really sorry for all the grief I've stirred up. I know everyone thinks I'm a psychopath and all, but I really am sorry for everything. I've been praying every day for forgiveness and for a decent plea offer. I should get one since it's my first offense. I feel extremely bad for Ryan and especially you and my other grandparents for the grief I've caused. I feel like Ryan doesn't love me anymore, but I know he does and he's just going through a rough time. It's so hard going through this. I'm scared and I feel so alone. Dot, dot, dot. End quote. He seems to have a very um, chameleon-like attitude towards people. Yeah, I think so. Like, it's easy for him to be a certain person in front of a certain person. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think, And I think that's... I don't know wh- where it comes from, but I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like... And you'll, we'll actually see it in this next letter. It's like, depending on who he's talking to, he can kind of put on, like, a facade almost. Yeah. It's an adaptation. He's yeah. adapting. 
Yeah. Tyler would also write to Michael Mandel, the friend who turned him in. However, this was not without first placing the blame on Michael, stating, quote, I'm in jail because of you, end quote. What? This letter is as follows, quote, I wish I could throw back some Miller lights and smoke a fat-ass strawberry white owl, but I gotta say it feels good to be sober. My head is nice and clear. Make sure you drink some Miller for me. Drink yourself stupid like I used to do. I swear to you, Michael, the devil had a hold on me. I talked to him and he talked to me. That's why I seemed so crazy toward the end. I'm not a cold-blooded monster like everyone thinks I am. I'm a caring person that made a horrible mistake. You gotta let people know that. End quote. He sounds like he's 60 years old. Like, he's like, don't make the same mistakes I did, yeah. kid. No, yeah, but he's but he's telling his grandparents, I have all this grief. I feel so lumb, blah, blah, that he yeah. writes his friend, and he's like, have a fucking couple beers for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> real world. <Yeah. laughs> Jesus, don't get me started. <sighs> so there's not a whole lot known about the trial, but since Tyler was still a minor at the time of his crimes and arrest, he would be unable to be issued the death penalty. Okay. In 2014, Tyler Hadley would be sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Due to laws that had been kind of iffy around the time, it was they were about, like, the handling of minors and the judicial system. Mm-hmm. Tyler was originally entitled to having a judicial review at some point in the future, causing, like, a new sentencing almost. Okay. However, during the new sentencing that Tyler was allowed to have in December of 2018... He was resentenced to life in prison. Okay. So now he like, doesn't have the option to be resentenced again because the law has been like in place now. So the resentencing or the potential for a resentencing would have been because of his age, but now that he's of age. Yeah, I think it I don't know how exactly what it entails, but essentially it was like you have a choice to get resentenced and like it just was the same result. Right, yeah. But I guess it is like, you know, they take into account because they have seen that. I think there was oh what whatever that kid's name was, um, I think he killed his parents too, or his mom. But he was, like, 14. Yeah. And so when his resentencing came up, they they made it a shorter sentence. Mm-hmm. He had been, like, highly abused and yeah. was in a very terrible That's situation. Awful. And so, yeah, he, he was resentenced. I think he only got, like, a total of 26 plus time served. Mm-hmm. So, um, or something like that. Yeah. But either way, yeah, so it's an opportunity for him to be resentenced. But now it's like, we've sentenced you now as an adult, and this and is your permanent sentence. And you're still in prison for life. <laughs> Tyler is currently in prison at the Okeechobee Correctional Institution. Okeechobee. Okeechobee. The morning after the party, the news of Tyler's arrest spread throughout the youth of Port St. Lucille. When Mike Young, the kid who showed up with 10 people, found out, he stated, quote, I was like, damn, brother, that's creepy as hell. I can't believe we partied last night where there was dead people, end quote. Yeah, bro. Super compassionate. When Anthony Snook found out about the murders, another party door, he stated, quote, wow, I just went to the party of a lifetime. It's messed up what he did, but 20 years from now, I'll be able to say I was there. I hate Port St. Port St. Lucie, but that's kind of cool. End quote. How is that cool? How is that cool? I would be scarred for life. <laughs> no wonder these are the people that were invited at Tyler's party. <laughs> Didn't know this, what death smells like. Oh, Gosh. Following the sentence of Tyler, Blake Hadley's brother Mike was noted as saying, quote, We hope we never have to do this again. We're happy with the judge's decision. It was the right decision to make. And as far as we're concerned, the only decision. We're very pleased that it's done. We feel like we've gone to another funeral today. End quote. I can't imagine, though, because it's like, what's the alternative? The alternative is that, what, he comes home? What, does he stay with you? Yeah. No. You know, if if he has these tendencies and he needs to be looked after... And, you know, I mean, you can't provide that care or that help. Or well, he that, clearly needs that... some sort of structure. Yeah. Following the hearing, a psychiatrist diagnosed Tyler with major depressive disorder with psychotic features. Mm. But that's my case. Wow, that is a doozy. <sighs> I know. It I was didn't... a huge doozy. When you said that at the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh, I do know this case, but I knew nothing about him. And yeah. about the case. I just knew what had, what happened. had happened. What had happened. Yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah, that's my case. Thank you, Sarah, so much for requ- uh, requesting yeah. that one. I didn't necessarily, I mean, I never enjoy researching a murder case because I don't like when murder happens, but I'm glad that we brought this case because it does need to be told. It does. And it's very rare. Uh, parasite is, is extremely rare. Yeah. And so it's it's definitely different than what we've covered. Yeah, that is interesting. I feel like you hear about it every time it happens because it is so rare. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But... Yeah, that's the that's the case. Anything major depressive disorder? I mean, I think we've covered it before. It's just extreme, extreme low lows mm-hmm. and mood, and then with psychotic features, that obviously explains like the laughing at himself in the mirror, the mania, the, the mania, the exactly. hyperactivity. Yeah, and then he was definitely um, extremely. What is it? Um, making all those symptoms that much worse with the mm-hmm. drug use, for sure. Yeah, and we've definitely talked about that as comorbidity, and especially with uh, 
people on schizophrenic spectrum that it can just exacerbate that feeling of paranoia um, and psychosis and mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah, it, it, it's never any good to combine that just because um, it can exacerbate those reactions. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys keep sending in your suggestions because I'm going to be tackling a bunch of suggestions, honestly. I feel mm-hmm. like I, I just have so many that are requested. I'm like, I'm just going to do them. them. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. So <laughs> I have a couple on my list already. If you've sent us a request via DM on Instagram, I have them all written down. So I'm going to get to those. Do not worry. And you guys can start buying your tickets to the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival. That's mm-hmm. happening next July through the 12th and the 14th, the 12th through the 14th. Yes. And it's in Denver, Colorado. If you guys already are in Denver, I'm super excited to see you. Yes. And if you guys are traveling, obviously, we're really excited to see you guys yeah. as well. So. Stay safe in your travels. Yes, absolutely. And we will see you guys. We're going to see you guys after Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We are going back to one ep- or two episodes a week starting mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year. So we're going to start doing our mental breakdown Mondays. Yeah. yeah. On the first of the year. And then it's going to be Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, like it used to be before the mm-hmm. holidays. We also have a new Patreon or a DAK live coming out pretty soon. Mm-hmm. We have a Patreon episode coming out on the 29th. And yeah, we have a lot of really exciting things. Check us out next Thursday. We're going to have a very special end of the year episode for yes. you guys. Yeah. We'll probably announce that in a few days. Okay. All right. All right. We will see you guys later. Yeah. Love, you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Looking to expand your wine knowledge or just indulge in your favorites? Gold Medal Wine Club is what you're looking for. Enjoy small production, award-winning wines from authentic family-owned wineries delivered right to your door. Unlike other Wine of the Month clubs, Gold Medal Wine Club never features private labels or bulk wines. Instead, every shipment is from a unique family-owned winery, each with a personalized story to tell. Take advantage of multiple different style offers when using the link in our show notes and take home the gold today.